the movie Terminator, the human race is on the brink of losing a war against the machines. The human resistance sends a cyborg into the past to protect their civilization against a robot sent by the evil artificial intelligence. That cyborg saves all of mankind and they live to fight another day. Heads and Tails is the terminator of podcasts. In this age where AI is the buzzword, <laughs> test cricket is on the verge of extinction due to evil forces of greed and money. Once a week, the gatekeepers of cricket send back few humanoids into the past to recall test cricket's legacy. Join us in our journey. Hasta la vista, baby. My name is Nitin and as always, I have alongside me the cybernetic organism model 101 that goes by the name Abhishek Chopra. Hello, Chops. What do we have in store this week? Hello, hello, Nitin. Um, very glad to be back. And uh, this time we are looking forward to the World Test Championship final. India was in the final the last time too. They lost to New Zealand at Southampton. This time the venue is going to be the Oval and the opponents are going to be Australia. So yes, a big build up to that. Although it's coming off, uh, coming at the back of the IPL. And so we'll have to see how the teams adjust to the change in format. But uh, yeah, mouth-watering clash coming up. Australia will be without Josh Hazelwood, who uh, seems to have actually picked up an injury after exiting the IPL midway through, claiming to be injured. <laughs> Nobody knew whether he was actually injured or not because he showed up quite fit uh, in England, but he's actually picked up an injury. And a lot of selection dilemmas for India as well. Uh, who do you think will play Chops? I, I think as far as the Josh Hazelwood question is concerned, uh, I still think it's it's more of a precautionary measure to take him out of the WTC final and keep him fresh for the five fascist tests that are going to happen in a span of just seven weeks. A very uh, tight schedule there for uh, the Australians. Um, as far as the Indian combination is concerned, uh, I know lots of questions. We have uh, a wealth of bowling options uh, at our disposal. Um, and the relative quality of them is something that we can't really determine with red ball form uh, because uh, they just have uh, been busy with uh, white ball cricket. But I think my bowling attack uh, is pretty settled. It's going to be Shami, Siraj, uh, Ashwin and uh, uh, Unatkat because uh, I would love a left-hander in the mix. Oh, wow, that is quite left field. I, I would be quite uh, interested to see whether Unatkat gets to play in this series. But let's see. Uh, we really don't know. Uh, you know, the, the the question that lots of people seem to be discussing is whether it would be Ashwin or Shardul Thakur who plays as the fifth fast bowler. Some people are saying maybe Umesh Yadav should sit out to let uh, Ashwin play. Let's see how it pans out this time. It's definitely going to be a mouth-watering contest. Indeed. Uh, it's time to catch up quickly on the other test match that happened uh, at the start of the English summer. It was Ireland's turn to visit uh, Lords um, for uh, a one-off test. Uh, unfortunately, Ireland have their priorities uh, also defined quite clearly this year. It's going to be the World Cup qualifiers, the white ball uh, tournament, which is going to give them a great amount of funding. And it's going to really change uh, the landscape as far as Irish cricket is concerned. But somehow, it's so conspired that they were in Lords to play this test. Uh, obviously, uh, not a very settled first-class structure. And hence, uh, you know, perhaps because of that, they didn't do too well in this test. They've also played uh, this kind of a one-off test against England at the same venue once earlier. And the result was not very different. 
they did give a good account of themselves overall though given their uh, relative exposure to test cricket uh, the scores were ireland 172 and 362 were beaten by 10 wickets uh, uh, on the back of a humongous double hundred in very quick time that uh, olly pope scored for england uh leading them to 524 for four declared in the first innings and then just the uh customary formality of uh, 12 more runs in the second innings so a comprehensive win for england uh, and ben stokes becomes the first ever captain in test cricket history to actually put his name to a win without batting or bowling or keeping what a record to have and csk has taught him well <laughs> enough said i'm going to say the controversial thing i don't think think these test matches are helping ireland especially given at a time when they also are probably focusing on world cup qualification and there were some quotes from some of their players saying yeah there's an important test match for us but there's only so much attention we can give it at a time when our odi world cup future is at stake i'm glad that they're getting to play a one off test match but i don't think one off test really help teams at all Um, and we've seen that we we just spoke about the WTC final, which is again a one-off test. Both teams are going to struggle to come to terms with alien conditions, uh, you know, in just one test match. But it's not fair on an associate nation to help, expect them to come and uh, well, now a full member nation, I must say, Ireland. It's not fair to expect them to come and play, you know, a one-off test and give a good account of themselves. But uh, yeah, uh, props to them for trying hard. As we said, the World Test Championship final is going to be contested between India and Australia this week at the Oval Cricket Ground. And in order to mark this historic moment, we are going to go back and look at two very memorable Indian Test match victories at the Oval over the years. And to start with, we are going to talk about the most famous, the most recent one, which was in 2021 when India defeated England to take a 2-1 lead in their five test series which later became a four test series because the series was curtailed at the end of this test match uh chops fond memories of a great test match what do you remember of 2021 at the oval i just think uh, uh, that uh, the one thing that stands out for uh, for me was the indian batting in the second innings after we were absolutely down in the dumps uh in in the you know uh, span of the test match to go back um, and and uh, really overturn a lead of almost 100 runs for the opposition and uh, overturn it like that takes for you know a great deal of effort and so kudos to the indian batters especially the indian openers who did a fabulous job in the second innings the other yeah. thing was the indian bowling performance um i think if there is something called a compre intensive team bowling performance that was that uh, uh, performance at the oval and uh, i think virat kohli uh, did mention at the end of uh, the test that it was one of the top performances he had seen as uh, a captain for his bowling unit and of course captains are are kind of attuned to seeing stuff like that at the end of a win but this one really felt like it uh, bumrah was special Uh, even someone like Jadeja who didn't pick up a lot of wickets, uh, perhaps conditions not um, very very favorable for uh, him to pick up a lot of wickets, had tremendous control, and so yeah, pretty special. What a test match! I one of my memories, fond memories from this test is Shardul's innings in the first uh, in the first dig. Yeah, he comes out and just goes for the bowling and plays a couple of insane shots. There was a straight swat 
there's the six that he plays over the leg side. Um, and England are stunned. They don't know what length to bowl anymore. They're just hoping to blow away the tail and, you know, get out there and bat. And this is usually what happens to India when they're bowling, right? You have this tailender coming and playing a very happy-go-lucky, you know, calculated assault kind of innings. Uh, Sam Curran used to do that a lot against India. You had Shardul doing that here. Uh, I have that memory, of course. And, and the way the Indian fast bowlers, like you said, bowled on that last day. You thought England were going to save this test because they batted, the openers themselves batted for nearly 40 overs and put on 100 runs, yeah. right? So yeah. there wasn't too much on this pitch. It looked like they had enough in their gas, in, in, they had enough gas in their tank to bat out the test match. And then there is the spell of bowling in the middle of the day where Bumrah just comes in and starts bowling straight fast. He bowls yorkers, he bowls length balls, he bowls shooters that take off. Uh, you know, he, he bowls everything that's possible in that period. He's just attacking the stem, stumps and the outside edge relentlessly. And it's just the sheer force of Indian fast bowling will at its best. And you'd already seen that happen earlier in this series, right? The Lord's test was so dramatic because in the last uh, couple of hours of play, India had to get a lot of wickets over there against a run of play. So you'd already seen that in, in the series. So you knew that they had had it in them to do it one more time. And they just did it. Sometimes it's like, okay, if it happened once, it was probably lucky. But if you've done it twice in the space of two weeks, then you're really onto something. I think this was the zenith of that Indian fast bowling attack. Yeah. And, and the other thing that stands out for me is, of course, there are, you know, these beautiful moments and you see the tide turning even as you're watching it live. But unlike the Lord's win or some of the other wins uh, that we've had recently in the test arena, this one didn't have particular special moments. Like yeah. in the other win, you have the Boomra wicket of Ollie Robinson, that yes. masterful slower ball from around the wicket. And you can watch it a million times and the genius of the man will still manage to, you know, lift you, almost lift your spirits. This one was shorn of those special uh, special moments. But yeah. when it all came together, it was something truly, truly uh, worth cherishing. And that's, uh, you know, something that um, we continue to cherish to this day. Because as you mentioned, uh, after that, things just went in a very different directions. Uh, matters off the field of play began to take primacy. And uh, we didn't know what to do with those. Because we were on such a high that the low was something, uh, you know, not yeah. worth even discussing. And I think like you mentioned earlier, the peaks of this era feel even more special because they came during the pandemic, right? And that includes the Australia tour. GABA also came much earlier in the pandemic, that series, even the fact that that series happened when all yep. of India was still very much in lockdown was itself a miracle. Mm -hmm. And this series a few months later, right? Uh, again, it was very much, it was a bad time in India, right? I think you had the, uh, the Delta wave happening uh, before this tour, but if we could still go ahead with the tour in England, like you said, this series had to be curtailed because the IPL was resuming. Uh, the second half of the IPL had to happen. And I'm sure there were close road discussions around whether we really needed a fifth test, which would potentially put a few more players at risk before that IPL. Whatever it was, the era came to a shuddering halt at the end of the series. I agree with you. There aren't too many great moments to remember this test match by. But there are three moments that stand out in my mind. One, of course, the pull shot that I spoke about where Shardul Thakur dumps one of the fast bowlers over the leg side for a six. Virat Kohli was not in the best of form. He plays some incredible cover drives in both innings of this test match. And he scores very important runs in both innings. Yep. I think one specific yeah. cover drive that he plays in the second innings really stands out in my mind. And lastly, the Spreet Bumrah bowling out Johnny Barstow on the last day with a lovely fast, I don't know if it was a Yorker, it was a full-length ball. 
it was just the force of jaspreet bumrah's will it just burst through and uh, castles you know basto who's one of the more attacking one of the more dangerous players the sort of player who you want out cheaply uh, when you're when you're trying to run through uh, run through the opposition on the last day and uh, bumrah gets him out for duck so those are the moments that stand out in my mind a test match that i would love to replay in my head over and over again yeah and and to talk about the other side england uh, also i mean perhaps not exactly after this test but soon after they also underwent a massive massive change uh, joe root yeah uh, was no longer the captain soon after and you had uh, ben stokes coming in and playing uh with a very very different style and you know almost stamping his style on the rest of the team and uh, england were no longer recognizable i mean there was the ashes loss of course that they suffered uh, very very bad loss at the hands of uh, a marauding australian team at that but uh, this also felt like one of those last um, uh, defeats that england had on home soil playing a particular brand yeah. of cricket and so yeah i mean quite quite a test in you know multiple ways absolutely i think though that ashes series and this defeat against india probably what spurred england to revisit their approach to test cricket and gave rise to baseball so like i said we've come from the from the future into the past to save test cricket and here we are talking about a test match which probably played a small role in giving test cricket a new lease of life so there you go from 2021 where india last defeated england in a test match at the oval we go all the way back to 1971 where india defeated england for the first time at the oval one of the greatest years in india's cricketing history where they also won a famous famous test match at port of spain in the west indies before they went to england and won the oval test match won the series in england as well having drawn the earlier two test matches a great year for indian test cricket a very very memorable test victory their first test victory in england witnessed by the famous gasometer that sits outside the oval the wonderful structure outside a beautiful cricket stadium in london chopper knows we're going way into the past way before our times and this is your specialty so take it away tell us what was happening in 1971 in the month of august indeed we had these very uh, two very strong teams um, uh, facing off uh, in this test india had already defeated the mighty west indies in the west indies which was again a, a an amazing high for them england had just returned from a time fent uh, ashes tour of australia they had regained the urn after 12 years and when both teams arrived at the oval the series was nil nil uh rain had come in the way of both the tests before this and so uh, both teams had everything to play for and again england uh, uh, won the toss and they had uh, decided to bat first uh, wadikar the indian captain uh, and also a uh, bombay stalwart had uh, lost the toss in the first two tests so this was no different and by the end of day 1 uh, england had reached 355 by uh, for 10 wickets day 2 was completely rained out and yeah. day 3 had india hobbling as they somehow managed to reach 234 for 7 and finally in the early part of day 4 india's first innings ends at 284 and so you're wondering okay we have uh, a little less than 2 days left and we have two full innings to get completed for this test match to have a result either way and uh, you had uh, you know both teams fighting very very hard so far 
and they reached their respectable first innings total with uh, a little wag from their tail to paraphrase the beatles mm. and so you had to have a lot of stuff happening in the last two days or a little less than the last two days for uh, you know the test match to produce a result and you had just that when india came on to bowl for the english second innings again as you mentioned at the oval there was a great partnership that happened right at the top and the first wicket to fall is why i am against calling it a run out at the non strikers end because <laughs> this was a run out at the non strikers end but it was yes. not the kind that you're thinking of uh, the english opener one of the english openers hit a ball back to this uh, maverick leg spinner that we had ds chandrashekhar he somehow got down to feel the ball it uh, ended up flicking his fingers going back to the stumps and the non striker who was a bicola boy john jameson he was outside his crease and that was the stroke of luck that india needed to really open the floodgates and after that you had uh, the second wicket which was again a classic so here's the story you have this other guy called dilip sardesai who's a who's a grizzled veteran of england of indian cricket by now and he advises chandra at the top of his bowling run up to bowl a mill reef and now yes. you're wondering what is this ball mill reef it's not even a cricket term both sardesai and chandra were big on horse racing and they had obviously during the course of the tour gone for multiple races and they had figured out that there was this champion horse who was winning everything in his way uh, during the summer and mill reef suddenly became mm-hmm. their code word for chandra's faster one yeah. chandra at the top of his run up is thinking of bowling a googly uh, because uh, the man at the striking end is a left hander and so he's thinking i'll take it a little away from him and perhaps that will result in something good for the indian team but he changes his mind on the advice of his uh, horse racing fan friend and he indeed bowls the faster one and at multiple places it's not so apparent when you watch the grainy footage of uh, uh-huh. of the recording of this test but in multiple sources they say that the ball hit the stumps before edrich could even bring his bat down yeah and perhaps there is poetry in that perhaps that is truth in that but i just find it fascinating that someone wrote it about a fastest leg spinner i can concede yeah. that but ultimately someone to whom the wicket keeper stood up to the stump so that was another uh, one of those uh, magical little stories that uh, you know really made this test special and yeah. you have to know chandra by now so chandra uh, obviously had polio as a kid and he suffered from it so badly that his bowling arm was withered to the bone you yeah. would often feel you would often find him between overs holding his right wrist with his left hand yeah perhaps because you know it used to be uh, a pain or some sort of uh, yeah. you know problem in the hand but he was truly the antecedent of anil kumble in the realm of fast leg spinners and he produced magic so very often and this yeah. uh, totally became his test yeah in and a then, sense also in in a sense also the predecessor to mutayya murlitharan because yeah. uh, a bowler with you know what some would say a disadvantage uh, and making yeah. that you know the most lethal part of his armory they say that his arm his action was such a quick arm action because there was no way he could hold his arm up for any longer yeah. and hence his yeah. his arms is used to whisk through that action i've seen that replay 
of uh, you know Edrich's wicket, and he absolutely squares up that left-handed batsman. And uh, yeah, you're right. The, it's tough to say from the grainy footage, but it definitely looked like Edrich himself was looking at it through grainy footage because he had no idea where that <laughs> ball was. And it comes and shatters his stumps. And Absolutely. and yeah, the very next ball, this is where the test match starts to turn. Um, you know, you know, you've lost one wicket to the fortuitous run out at the non-striker's end, like you said. And it's good that we are not using the name Mankad because there was actually a Mankad in this test match. Ashok Mankad was India's opener. You know, Mankad's son uh, was playing in this test match. John Edrich now John Edrich now bowled by Chandrasekhar by a ball that nobody saw we still haven't seen it and then Keith Fletcher comes out in what turns out to be the last ball of play before lunch what happens there yeah and this is where you have the indian fielding coming to the party and that is not a sentence you utter about indian teams of that era quite often but as we go through the test for this particular wicket uh, on the last ball before lunch and uh, going further there are two outstanding forward diving catches at uh, short leg by this bombay dynamo called eknath solkar who was worth his place in the team for his close in fielding alone especially because you had uh, you know almost every single time three spinners playing for the indian team and there's also a marvelous catch at slip by the off spinner venkat raghavan yes uh, this happens later in the innings of course but yeah. you have to know what it was like So Chandra is bowling, and he's again a fastish leg spinner, as we have uh, described. So the wicketkeeper stands up to the stumps, but the slip stands as far back as yeah. you would for yeah. a medium pacer, yeah. and the batter is slashing at it and slashing yeah. at it really hard because the ball is a little short. And Venkat Raghavan, it is clear <laughs> from the grainy footage, plucks it out of thin air with both hands. It's- Yeah, and and with and so coolly, right? There's yeah. no fuss. It's like he just plucked it, and he just tosses it up, and he's like, "Yeah, cool. I've taken the catch." <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And a lot of credit, uh, cricketers of that era and this team, a lot of credit they give for this brilliant fielding effort to someone called Colonel Hemu Adhikari, who was a former Indian captain himself, and in one account he's referred to as a tracksuit manager, and that term hmm. was. Uh, borrowed from football because you had these two types of managers one who would come dressed to the sidelines in a suit and they would be uh, managing from the top and the other would be these track suit guys who would be out there in the dumps in the barracks with the team and uh, himo adhikari's yeah. big role was to make sure that uh, his team was really up to the mark when it came to fielding and taking such amazing catches Two catches that Eknath Solkar took that we wanted to talk about, of course. First was Keith Fletcher out first ball, caught it short leg, Sim- fairly simple catch, I would say, by his standards. And later in the day, he would take a catch that or a picture that has become one of the most defining images of Indian Test cricket from that era, because that is the picture that people associate with this Test match the most. It is the dismissal of Alan Knott, the English wicketkeeper, who is a right-hand batsman. he gets a delivery from venkat raghavan who's bowling off spin of course and he's landing it outside off stump and trying to turn it in towards the leg side usually batsmen of that era would not really try and take a run to the leg side right they would just try to pad it away especially in a situation like this bat it away in a situation like this with a straight bat but they knew that alan not was a slightly more adventurous batsman and he's going to try and work it to the leg side there is 
a sort of a leg slip and there is eknath solkar lurking at short leg our man comes across goes to play the ball plays it to the leg side and out of nowhere eknath solkar flies across jumps over from short leg and plucks it inches millimeters from the ground and lands with a thud both his legs up in the air it's a great picture here yeah, sunil gavaskar standing at slip he is levitating and i remember reading a description i think it was rahul bhattacharya who wrote this about gavaskar who is mid air seeing this catch being completed he's up in the air and he's not his arms are not up in the air by the way his arms are by the side right so it's it's literally like he's levitating like that character in uh, you know in the avengers movies <laughs> what's it called vision <laughs> he's literally levitating like vision when he's watching solkar complete the catch and rahul bhattacharya says sunil gavaskar was levitating in 1971 which was least of the miracles that he was capable of performing in that year <laughs> because he had scored so many runs in the west indies before this as well as part of the wonderful turn of phrase and a lovely catch by solkar when we grew up i'm sure we read the same things chops uh, sports world and sports star i remember people used to talk about jonty rhodes right in the early 90s the great fielder they used to talk about clive rice and there was a third name that they kept mentioning one of the greatest fielders in the world they would say eknath solkar and there would be this black and white picture of solkar taking this catch and i'd be like come on hang on a second jonty rhodes ran with the ball dived into the stumps and broke them okay now that's truly a remarkable feat it's modern it's happening in a one day game it's happening in a world cup who's this guy in whites who's <laughs> taking a tumbling catch and why is it so special but he was so special when you see this replay you know why solkar was special it was a really special catch Yeah there's this famous rumor that I've heard about that catch which essentially says that the dive forward was so desperate and so full on in nature that he used to wear a chain a kind yeah. of a locket in his neck and it really got uh, engraved uh, somewhere on his chest because he just went for it I don't know if that's true or not no, it is it is but- he was it was a heart shaped pendant apparently and he has confirmed this later and you can actually see when he gets up after taking that catch he is in some stress right he is actually wincing in a little bit of pain and it seems to be something in his mid section i think it was the pendant that was pierced that pierced him when he uh, dived forward and landed on his front side yeah but what a great catch yeah. what a great fielder what a, imagine a player in the 70s 60s and 70s who people said was worth his place in the side just as a fielder we spoke about ben stokes winning a test match without contributing with bat ball or wicket keeping here you had eknath solkar who could have played a test match purely as a fielder apparently also used to bowl left arm medium pace with a very very interesting action used to shuffle through to the crease and run through the crease very fast and was also a fairly good batsman apparently yeah yeah so quickly summarizing where this test match is now england batting first bashed their way to 355 on the first day India come back score 284 runs and then there is a big rest day in the middle after which England come and collapse all in 101 all out in the third innings and B Chandrashekhar is the man who does all the damage there 6 for 38 um and he's helped by Venkat Raghavan who got two wickets Bishan Singh Bedi also played this test match uh Prasanna finally did not play and Bedi by the way bowled only a single over in that second innings they didn't need too much of him it was mostly Chandra and uh, Venkat who who Venkat. ran through the who ran through the batting lineup but you have some amazing shots of bishan bedi's bowling in this uh, in that youtube video of this test match what a unique action what a beautiful action used to the way he used to torpedo and pivot on his uh, you know on his bowling arm on his bowling foot very unlike any other left arm spinner that we have seen over the years very special bowler yeah indeed 
and there was a good omen for india on this fourth day uh, some indian supporters had somehow managed to get an elephant onto the field during the lunch yes. break and on the next day you had ganesh chaturthi ganesh yes. of course uh, being the god with the elephant head the young elephant also has an interesting story it was called bella and it was purchased by the nearby chessington zoo in may yeah. 1970 from a place in birmingham called tisley pet stores which at various times in its history <laughs> claimed to have stocks of puppies rabbits guinea pigs hamsters mice <laughs> monkeys chimpanzees gorillas marmosets tortoises giant <laughs> anteaters giant armadillos dingoes and leopard cubs and when i got across this fact and i read the list of all of these animals it was like how did this happen like how did a zoo and a pet store in 1970 conspire to do this and how did this elephant land up in the middle of the oval in the yeah. test match in the middle of a test match is you just can't make sense of it it's something yeah. that is perhaps destiny it's it's something else uh but yeah i mean just an amazing coincidence and i don't know what happened to the elephant or when did it go off the field yeah. but in today's day and age if something like this were to happen you would have uproar upon uproar and and something like twitter would be up in arms and you would perhaps have umpires inspecting the condition of the outfield <laughs> yeah have been stomped yeah. off on by an elephant but yeah i mean plays just went on Yeah, play just went on. By the way, that was not the first animal on the field of play during this test match. So yeah. earlier in this test match, there was a dog that came to uh, get a close look at Sunil Gavaskar, who was batting. Uh, and Gavaskar apparently has a phobia for animals. This is something that I learned when I was researching this test match. And he claims that he was distracted by the dog, and it was weighing on his mind. And then he got out cheaply. Now Gavaskar <laughs> did not score too many runs in this test match. In fact, this was the one of the early failures or the first few failures in gavaskar's career because it had just started in west indies where he had scored like tons of runs he scored 0 and 4 uh, i believe in this test match in the two innings um but this was the third test of the series in the first test of the series gavaskar had a famous run in with john snow the fast bowler from the england side um so this was a quick single that was being attempted Snow was trying to get to the ball. Gavaskar was trying to get to the opposite end of the pitch. Uh, Gavaskar claims, and it does look on the uh, replay. And people who saw this do believe that Snow needlessly diverted his uh, direction to get in Gavaskar's way and shoved the Indian batsman who fell down quite, um, you know, painfully with a thud. And there wasn't too much by way of an apology coming from John Snow. Apparently, uh, later, uh, as the as the players were coming off, uh, he was nudged. by his uh, team uh, teammates to go and actually give an apology to apologize to gavaskar for what had happened and he was apparently about to go and apologize he said i want to change my jersey before i go because it's sweaty by the time he could change and go somebody from the mcc came and gave him a lashing right for for what he believed was very unbecoming uncouth behavior on the field now after taking that lashing snow did not feel like now going across and apologizing this was at the end of a very close test match at lords by the way where india got away they needed about 40 runs to win but they only had two wickets in hand and it started raining so both teams probably believing they got away with it <laughs> that one of those sort of test matches so at the end of that test uh, he actually doesn't go and issue a proper apology right and later this becomes a big deal 
he gets dropped for the second test match on disciplinary grounds for not ha- not having apologized properly and he was not supposed to play this third test at the oval either and he only plays because another bowler was injured and uh, he comes in as a substitute right and what does he do he gets rid of sunil gavaskar cheaply in both innings but yeah. in one of those innings it was because of the dog <laughs> <laughs> So there we are then India's target is 173 Gavaskar gets out cheaply like we said and this is uh, towards the end of play on day 4 he's out for a duck lbw by snow uh, India come back on the final day it's uh, Ashok Manta Mankad and Ajit Wadekar it's a very small target to chase and uh, Wadekar believes that you know uh, it's good tidings for him because the the elephant himself has come belly the elephant has come into the ground and bless this team So he believes nothing can go wrong, but then he is run out, probably because he's overconfident. He goes back. You would imagine the Indian captain would be tense and watching, you know, with chewing his nails as this game heads towards a denouement. What does Ajit Wadekar do? He goes to sleep in the dressing room. <laughs> and meanwhile, his middle order, his middle order backs against the wall. Dilip Sardesai scores an important forty runs. Gundapa Vishnath scores thirty-three uh, runs. Very careful. Plays a hundred and seventy-one balls. to score those 33 to make sure there are no hiccups solkar gets out cheaply but uh, farooq engineer comes in and lands a few heavy blows 28 runs uh, but finally with victory in sight vishwanath gets out it could have been vishwanath's picture that became famous uh, and associated with this test match unfortunately goes for an attacking shot and gets out and leaves it to syed abid ali who comes and cuts the hits the winning boundary with a beautiful square cut and this test match ends the way all matches in england used to end back in those days the ball is running towards the boundary you cannot see whether it's reached the boundary or not because the entire stadium has erupted the crowd has run in there are players running everywhere umpires are trying to guard the stumps the non striker is trying to take a stump and the umpire is giving him a very stern looking to saying you will not not on my watch he's refusing to give him the stump <laughs> and players are going helter skelter in every possible direction right it's one of those things that's how this test match ends nobody knows where that ball reached a great great moment for india one of their most famous victories Yeah, and and the the end of the Vardikar sleeping story. How did he wake up? He's woken up by the England manager Ken yeah. Barrington at the end of the test, <laughs> yeah. who comes in into the Indian dressing room and tells him that if Vardikar doesn't wake up and go to the balcony <laughs> to greet the Indian supporters, there's going to be a riot, a proper riot <laughs> after India yeah. has won because the captain is not showing up. Yeah, and and, and what does Vardikar say? I was very confident that we are going to win. That is why I went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, a few interesting postscripts uh, to this test win. So after the 1971 win in the West Indies, obviously a big deal for uh, Indian cricket. Uh, the Indian team had called upon Indira Gandhi at the Prime Minister's uh, residence, um, and obviously Indira Gandhi was all praise for them. All of them, Vadikar, the captain, of course, earning special praise. and at the end of that meeting indira gandhi says do drop in again and perhaps it was just one of those courtesy things that you say to a guest who has come to your place that you know you should come in again and vadikar perhaps takes it a little too seriously and right after <laughs> india win this test fly off back to india their flight is actually diverted to delhi so that they could first go and meet the prime minister and vadikar would have probably said you asked me to drop in again here i am in all my glory and all the boys behind me and uh, we have won again this time we have done it in england 
So and what um, what do you think what do you think the prime minister told Ajit Vadekar when he showed up the second time I don't know a clue from one of our earlier episodes bye fir se aap yahan amazing man that would have been quite something yeah. um, inzamam and indra gandhi coming together <laughs> inzamam and indra gandhi walk into a bar could be the start for, start of you know a very very good series of jokes But yes, a wonderful moment for Indian cricket. This, of course, happened before the era of televised cricket. So people listened to this as it unfolded uh, over the radio. They all woke up the next morning. They wanted to read about it in the newspapers, but they could not because there was no newspaper. It was Ganesh Chaturthi after all. So it was a holiday. Uh, but a great win, a win that was savored for many years to come, and really the start. i would say of india's test cricketing history as we know it as a country that actually used to win test matches because until yep. until 1971 they really didn't have much to write home about uh, especially and literally write home about because they never won anything abroad it all started yep. at the oval in 1971 and as things stand it all stopped at the oval in 2021 <laughs> hopefully in 2023 once again at the oval india will start winning away test matches once again On that note, it's time for us to say goodbye and please share, like, subscribe to our podcast and uh, hopefully you are enjoying all the episodes that we are coming up with. Bye. Bye and see you again next week. You were listening to Heads and Tails. hosted by Abhishek Chopra and Nitin Sundar produced by Audiomatic producers for Audiomatic Rajesh Tahil and Abdul Khanolkar assistant producer Priya Kash <laughs>